Today's scripture reading from Luke 19. Jericho. Jericho was really a winter retreat. It was where some of the rich people went. Herod the Great had a winter house there in Jericho. And so Jericho was up about 3,800 feet in the mountains. And then you go about 18 miles and on the Jericho Road and go down below sea level, and you'd come to Jerusalem. So it's quite a trek to get from Jerusalem up to Jericho. And we know that Jesus made this trip a couple of times. One, of course, is today's scripture reading was Zacchaeus. And one was when he healed the blind men. And so we know Jesus had been there before. You can read about the blind men in Mark chapter 10, I believe it is. But this is a rich person's territory. And so Zacchaeus, rightfully so as a tax collector, went there to collect the taxes. Life-changing moments. A time when you get that aha. Have you ever had that? Aha, I got that. Maybe when you were in high school, you got that from your English teacher. Ah, I finally get what verbs and nouns are. Or the aha moment when you remember what A squared plus B squared equals. You know, it's an aha moment. Now, when you get your taxes back and you go, "Uh uh-oh, that's not an aha moment necessarily that you want to experience. The NCAA tournament just recently, it was kind of an aha moment there, was it, for those of you that follow that, right? Number one, Virginia lost to number 16 seed. That's never happened before. That's kind of an aha moment. So life-changing events are aha moments. When you say, yes, I'll marry you. Or when you sign on to buy a house and start making the payments, that's kind of an aha moment. It's kind of a life-changing moment. And Zacchaeus had one of those life-changing moments. The wee little man that climbed the sycamore fig tree wanted to see who was passing by that way. He wanted to know. He wanted to see. For some reason, he'd heard about him. And he knew a little bit about him. And he'd heard about his following. And he wanted to be sure. He wanted to be sure that he got to see him. A tax collector that had squandered money from who knows how many people wanted to see Jesus when he passed by that way. A life-changing moment occurred when Jesus went to his house. I want to share with you this morning a life-changing story of one of my friends, childhood friends, named David Ellis. David's father was my minister when I was an infant and arrived into this world, so he was the one that dedicated me, David's father was, Jim. And then a year later, Jim um, would have been the one who planned and help take care of my father's leaving from this world. And so our family stayed together. We knew each other. They finally moved away. As ministers do, they moved from place to place to place. And we kind of kept up with them. And so we kept in the relationship with his children. David was about my age. And when David came to visit, excuse me, when the family divorced, when the Ellis family divorced, David went to live with his mother over here in Murphy, North Carolina. 
And so he came up to our house one time when he was a junior, maybe might have been early senior, the summer of his senior year, I can't remember which it was, but he came and visited with us, and David had changed a lot. He had long hair. He had the cigarettes underneath his short sleeve shirt. He was wearing a bibbed overalls, and he had one of the latches always unleashed and hung down, and the other one was snapped. And he'd been there four or five days, and one evening he took off for the woods after we got the milking done. And David stayed in the woods till the wee hours in the morning, and I remember when he came back in the house, you know, a big fellow makes a lot of noise when you're clumsy, and he was clumsy. He had eight, 16 steps to go up, and you could just hear every step. You know, all the way up the house. And he walked through my bedroom to where he was sleeping in the next room. And I didn't move a muscle. I was awake, but I didn't say anything until I got up the next morning and peeked in his room. And I said, David, are you okay? He said, no. I just want to go home where I can be myself. Moving forward a couple, four or five years, I ended up going to the same college where David was going to college. And I actually rented the apartment where David had been staying. And he came up and he got all of his rest of his belongings and we talked a little while. And he didn't look any different than what he did a couple, four or five years before. And he moved out and so I lived in the apartment. And two years later, he knocks on my door, almost two years later. And I didn't recognize him. He'd completely changed. He was standing straight up. He was clean-shaven. His face was beaming bright. And so he came in, and we had a conversation. I said, David, what caused the change? And he said, place where I was staying, there was an accident in the front lawn, and I held the lady that was dying in my arms. I looked down at the floor, and there were beer bottles all over the place, and there were cigarette butts scattered all over the car. And he said, I realized that could be me. And he said, I went in the house and I threw all that stuff away. This is a true story, friends. He went in the house and he threw it all away. He said, in about six or eight weeks, it was Easter. But I didn't want to go to church on Easter the first time. So he said, I went a couple weeks before. And he said, I just couldn't stop. I marched, walked in that church, unknown to him. Never been there before. And he says... Something compelled me to go all the way to the altar before the service started. And he said, it changed my life. I had a life-changing moment right there. I wish you could see him today. He's a deacon in Presbyterian Church, a lay witness speaker. Maybe one day I'll get a picture and bring it and show it to you. The movie that I saw Friday evening, I can only imagine, has some life-changing moments in it. I hope you'll see it. Not that it's that powerful or life-changing, but it shows the activity of God in the lives of people. How long has it been since you've had one of those aha moments with God? A life-changing moment that touched you so deeply that, you know, you're not the same. You're not the same. Maybe not like David and maybe not like Zacchaeus, 
but one that has just changed you in somehow, some way. Changed the way you wanted to live. Even though that's what happened to Zacchaeus and in this story, because Christ's presence made a difference in his life. Christ came into his presence and kind of won over his heart. So as we think about that, Jesus helping Zacchaeus, whose life are you helping to change today? Whose life are you helping to change? Somewhere uh, back in the past, Zacchaeus had gotten off track. He was a wee little man, all right, not only in stature, but also in spirit. Bad habits had kind of taken root in Zacchaeus. Greed, selfishness, lust, power, money, you can name it. He kind of forgot about God, kind of forgot about the church's teaching, and kind of went on his own way. Kind of did what he wanted to do, collecting taxes. And it was destroying him. Cutting him off from God and his spiritual needs. And when the light of Jesus poured into his life, all this littleness was exposed And most importantly, Zacchaeus saw that help was available. Somehow he knew being that man that he was, con man, was wrong. And he saw a different path to take. And he was just changed like my friend David. They knew that there was something better. And they found it. And no matter where we are on this spectrum of our spiritual journey, there's always something better. There's always more to receive. If you're on that path that God wants you to be on, there's more out there for you to get. We never reach the end of what God has for you. What are you doing to help change the lives of others? Is the world being acted out in your life sometimes or is Christ being acted out in your life don't miss the message Zacchaeus followed if you're doing something you know you shouldn't be doing if what you are doing doesn't give you a good name if somehow you've gotten away from the path that God wants you to be on if you've gotten away from the church God has a life-changing moment for you. How was Zacchaeus changed? He opened the door of his home and his heart to what was passing by. He just opened it up. Oh, everyone else had a label for Zacchaeus. Can't you just hear those labels? You're a tax collector. I don't have to ask you what those names are given. (laughs) We know what they are, don't we? We don't like them. We don't want to see them. We don't want to hear about them. We don't want to pay them. So you can imagine the names that was given to Zacchaeus, the labels that he received as he went through life as a tax collector. We acquire labels in life too. Children's and teenagers label us, don't we? Don't they? When you're going through those years, you wear, you wear glasses. What, what are you called sometimes? Four eyes, right? And there's worse names than that. Shrimp and small fry. Geek. Those names that happen. They they occur. It's okay to laugh because it happens that way. We understand that, don't we? Right? Not necessarily, but it happens. 
I remember Tom that was in our seventh grade physical education class. They called him Lard, Tubby. But you know, he was one of the best swimmers we had. So labels, labels, they follow us, don't they? And Zacchaeus was labeled as a tax collector, even if that was his profession. And when you read this story in Luke 19, as Jesus comes walking along in a town of Jericho, what does he tell Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to your house today. And I love this because I know how dangerous and how destructive and how painful labels can be. Labels such as yellow or scaredy cat or small fry or lard or chicken or shrimp or geeks. And in a book titled Living, Loving, and Learning, we read these words. Words are supposed to make us free. Words are supposed to make us able to communicate. But too often words become boxes and bags and we become trapped in them. And we don't even know what they mean. And so it is with black man or chinko or Protestant or Quaker or Catholic or Jew or Gentile or brown noser. All you have to do is hear the label and you think you got that person put in the box. And people have put him in a box. No one ever bothered to say or to ask, does he cry? Does he feel? Does he understand? Does he have hope? Does he have dreams? Does he have kids? Labels. We apply them. But we can also free people from their labels. And we can love and welcome them into the kingdom of God. Just as Jesus did this with Zacchaeus and many others. Jesus looked at Zacchaeus that day and refused to be blinded by prejudice. He refused to put Zacchaeus into a particular category. But he chose to go to his house and called him by name. Names are significant, aren't they? Jesus understood this and called the wee little man, the tax collector, by his name. And Jesus comes to you. What does he call you? By your name. Peter, Sandy, Fred, Fred and Ethel. He calls you by name and asks you to come and be welcomed into his presence. It doesn't matter what your past has been. Jesus, our Savior, Walked right past the labels. Walked right past what everybody said. He's going to a sinner's house. Didn't matter. Jesus loved him. Just as he was. And changed him. Did you notice that? Did you pick up on that? He was changed. Jesus can change us. He can change you. 
helping others to get to a better place in life helps change this community. It helps change your name. Life is about relationships and loving others with the love of God, no matter what the label is. Have you ever received a letter from someone that was kind of a surprise or a note or a card, or maybe they stopped by to visit you and told you personally something that was encouraging and something that was uplifting that you didn't expect, that you were nice and wonderful and great? Maybe it was a card, but maybe it was a personal visit. And I'm talking about those cards or those letters that you receive or those visits that happen that you just play over and over and over again in your mind because it lifts you up. It makes you feel strong, more strongly attached to that person. Just as Donnie was saying about his friend and that friend, how they established a personal relationship and grew to love each other as brothers, though they weren't brothers. And that's what Jesus is doing for Zacchaeus. That's what Jesus wants to do with you and I. He wants you to love him just like a brother, just like a sister. There's a church, uh, I have a pastor friend at, uh, when he several years ago, and when he was pastoring the church, he asked him to do a 40-day uh, love feast. Now, it wasn't all about eating. But what it was about was really sending cards and stopping by and, and, and paying attention to particular people. And so this one fellow whose name was Sam, he said, I'm not going to participate in this. I'm not going to do this. And the pastor said, that's okay. You don't have to participate. You don't have to write any letters. You don't have to go see anybody. <clears throat> the next Sunday... Sam comes to the pastor, and he's waiting at the back, back of the worship room, waiting for everybody to leave. And when everybody leaves, he goes up to the pastor, and he says, um, um, I wrote some letters. The pastor said, well, why did you write some letters? You said you weren't going to. He said, I got a letter right here in my pocket on Wednesday from someone that encouraged and loved me. And he said, it changed me. So he said, Thursday, I wrote 10 letters to people in our congregation. The Lord's ready to change us. He's ready to give us more than we've already gotten. He's ready to hand it to you. If you'll just receive. It's right there. It's right there. And when you do, can be like Zacchaeus and David because you get a different view of God. Christ came and showed them that God is not to be avoided or appeased with just church offerings and church attendance, but rather to welcome him in your lives in a greater capacity every day. He's wanting to come into your home, into your world, and to, into your heart and more. Not to point out anything in particular this morning, but look at this little infant over here. Clint, how he's being loved by his family. All of you have noticed that sitting on that side, haven't you? I've noticed it too. 
children are one of those life-changing moments, aren't they? They are. And grandchildren, oh my, they're life-changing moments too. And God wants to give you a life-changing moment every day that you live. Wants to give you that joy so you can hold him closer to you. Michelangelo brought into his studio one time a rock of low-grade marble. And it appeared pretty useless. And it was very fragile. Didn't look like there could be anything that could be shaped from it. And a fellow artist that was in his studio laughed at him and said, you know, why did you bring that ugly, cheap rock into this presence? You'll be waste, you've wasted your time and money. And Michelangelo simply replied, there's an angel trapped inside this stone, and I must free it. He worked patiently, carefully, and gradually. And under his master's chisel, the stone's imperfections were transformed into a beautiful angel. And isn't that what happens to us? When we work with each other, when we love each other and patiently help one another, isn't this what happens? We place ourselves in the hands of our creator. And he chisels us out into greater human beings of love that opens our heart to him and to one another. Our God is an awesome God. He reigns through the world throughout. And he has moments for all of us that can be life-changing. Again, referring to the song that we heard at the beginning of the worship service, I can only imagine. He had a life-changing moment. And so can we. Easter is approaching. We're in the season of Lent. Think about those life-changing moments that God has for you.